hello hello welcome to another episode of be the vibe radio with your hostess chrysalis sun and um i've been kicking ass with these podcasts for the month of april 2020 i'm realizing that you know i was saying that being quarantined and being at home kind of sparked you know my my Uh, creativity and I have all these things that I want to talk about and all of the this time to do it and I was saying that I you know would be putting out probably about four or five podcasts for the month of April when I usually only put out maybe two or three and I actually am proud of myself because I'm holding myself to that so yay me yay chrysalis um but you know I also want to say that the other thing that has been uh keeping me really motivated is the feedback you guys have been giving me some really amazing feedback because uh, you know once you put something out there in the internet you don't really it's there it's like you don't know where it's gonna end up who it's gonna reach who's gonna be listening who's gonna be touched by it or or affected by it so uh, you know it's very 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 wonderful when I get emails and texts and DMs and phone calls about my podcast episodes and the fact that you guys are really listening and really uh you know resonating with with these episodes so thank you that is what's keeping me you know excited and motivated to to do these podcasts um and i'm realizing that my besides my why in the sky my most popular segment is the unpopular opinion so y'all apparently love when i talk shit uh i guess i do it so well <laughs> You know, you know, I always follow that up with my my cackle, my laugh. So, um, yeah, I'm the, tonight's another episode of Unpopular Opinion, and this episode, this particular one, is about money. So, I am definitely wanting to talk about money. This will probably be a long episode, longer than usual, because money is such a sensitive subject for everybody um so and I really wish that I had some wine or a blunt or something (laughs) to go along with this episode because it's gonna be a lot to unpack like my notes I have a lot of notes a lot of things I want to address with this unpopular opinion but when it comes to to money and I wish I had you know some some rum or something some well I got rum but oh no that wouldn't be a good idea I think uh Y'all don't want me on rum on the podcast. <laughs> I already don't be watching what I say. <laughs> wine. I wish I had some wine or a blunt, but I don't. So we finna just, you know, roll with it uh, with what I got, which is just me and being uncensored um, with this particular topic. So with that little introduction, tonight's episode in the unpopular opinion is... Being spiritual does not mean being broke. So why this topic? The obvious reasons is because of what's going on with society right now. People are losing their jobs. They're being laid off. They are worried about resources, worried about money, losing income. And that's a very real concern. It's a very real vibration that's going on with the world. And I don't want to ignore that. Um... You know, so there's a lot of talk around resources and money, a lot of triggers coming up and a lot of fears coming up around resources and money right now just because of the so many uncertainties being apparent, like being in our face. The other reason why is because, 
you know, so y'all know that I'm I'm good friends with uh, Io Bossy Bruja, and she has been up leveling lately when it comes to her prosperity consciousness. Like I love sis, I love sis, I love sis, <laughs> and you know I really love and admire and appreciate everything that she is and everything that she's about. And I love how she's always progressing and up leveling. So she's been about you know been on her grind, been about her business, but now she is reaching for and uh, and wanting to attain a higher level of prosperity consciousness. So she is like low key, high key starting this whole movement around prosperity consciousness, but folks is triggered. So I'm seeing people on her Instagram and being upset because this is talking about money and wealth and cash and prosperity and being rich. And, you know, people are feeling a way about it. People are all up in their feelings. People who obviously are in a space of lack, obviously in poverty mindset. They're triggered by sis's, uh, you know, her energy and her wanting to expand this prosperity consciousness that she's in. And people are taking it so sensitive. And so like, people are really kind of like coming at her. Now, it's funny to me because normally, you know, when I see stuff like that, I be jumping on shit and I, I check people. But Isle's very much capable of handling herself and, and the IG trolls. So it's been funny watching her respond to this. <laughs> Shout out to Io. I hope she ends up listening to this podcast um, because she did inspire it this episode. Um, but the other thing, though, um, is that I'm seeing just how much money is a trigger. The idea of money and prosperity within the spiritual community because there's this whole idea that if you're spiritual that you shouldn't care about money. Now, my thing about that and getting back to Io is that, first of all, I've known sis since we were in Vegas, living in Vegas. And I'm talking like... 2013 2014 right so i've been doing this for a good six seven years she may be new to you but for me io has always been about her money this is not new she has always been about her coins right she's always been about that work ethic she's always been about being practical she's always been that type of bruja that type of witch so this ain't new to me or people who know her but for all of y'all who just really coming on to her and and being introduced to her on social media y'all don't know so y'all all up in your feelings right because you don't really know what what she's she's been on this um but the other issue that that is going on that I see with this is that there's this misconception that because if you're spiritual or you're doing spiritual work that you shouldn't get paid or that you shouldn't be about money or that there's something wrong with you for that and so my whole purpose with this episode is to deconstruct and debunk and say fuck all of that okay first of all so if you've got some deep triggers around money and finances this probably is not the episode for you because this this probably will upset you right i'm just letting i'm just putting it out there within the first 10 minutes (laughs) of this podcast so y'all can be aware of that okay but i'm bringing sis up because you know the response that people are, are are coming at her with is just indicative of a bigger problem or a big bigger issue that the collective has around money specifically people in the spiritual community right 
there is a lot of triggers and a lot of trauma around money, period, within the spiritual community. It's even worse within people in communities of color, specifically black communities, um, especially when it comes to black women. Um, there is a misconception that black women, that we are supposed to do things for free, that we're supposed to be um, forever nurturing and forever giving and forever self-sacrifice at the expense of our own well-being and our own sustainability and our own uh, prosperity. And that's bullshit. So if if I was a white woman talking about money, because there's plenty of, you know, spiritual white women on social media who have a following as much as uh, as much as I or even more who are all about the coins and nobody says shit to them. But the moment a black woman gets up and says, I'm about to be I'm about this money um, cash. I want to go to Egypt. I want to ride camels. We finna, you know what I'm saying? Like we, you know, I'm ready to get everything together and, you know, let it be about the, these, this material life and these comforts and this wealth and this prosperity. Then everybody wants to, everybody wants to be upset. And that's also what I want to address is the deeper underlying issue of the, um, social, social, expectations of women of color when it comes to our prosperity and how we are often vill- you know um made to be villains because for the you know for those of us who like money and who expect to be compensated for our services and to be compensated well so that is the reason why i'm doing this episode um to to and that's who inspired this episode so i'll shout out to you i hope you're listening um (laughs) and because i did tell you i was finna do this um unpopular opinion so i want to start off by talking about what has contributed to our current mindset or current culture within the spiritual community in regards to prosperity and when I speak of this I'm speaking specifically about western culture because you don't see this lack idea in 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 spirituality in other cultures in other countries it's specifically in the west specifically in the United States so uh what I've seen or what I've um when I've as I've studied this and observed this I've seen three specific things that have contributed to our current mindset when it comes to prosperity and spirituality. The first thing in this is the idea of aesthetics. Now, aesthetics are those who give up worldly possessions and and the and pleasure, you know, any engaging in type of pleasure uh experiences in order to pursue a religious or spiritual life. It's usually for the sake of attaining enlightenment. And there are aesthetics in all cultures, all religions, all spiritual practices across uh, thousands of years. This has always been a thing. The idea of this or the, 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 the thought process behind being an aesthetic is that you remove, it's to remove the, the things that would distract you from connecting with the divine source. And a lot of times, worldly possessions and pleasurable experiences distract us from communing one-on-one with God on whatever level, whatever practice that you're in. So that's the whole idea of aesthetics. And they range from mild to extreme. So you've got the mild on, on the mild side, those that simply give up their title and their, their you know, they leave their families, they give up their, their possessions and they go and they, they join a monastery or an ashram. 
or they become a priest or a deacon or a pastor. And then there are those like the extreme ones that you usually kind of see in Southeast Asia. Um, these will be like yogis or like the, the mystics where these are, the, you know, they'll, <laughs> they're not only giving up all their possessions, but they don't, they don't have sex. They don't drink. They don't really eat a whole lot or if at all. Um, and they don't groom themselves. Like they don't do their, they don't, they wear rags. Like that's the extreme aesthetic. Now, there's nothing wrong with being an aesthetic, but there has to be a certain reason. Like there has to be an established purpose for it. And traditionally, the purpose of an aesthetic is to establish humility, faith, and to release the ego. Now, people have taken this idea of aesthetic and have made it the blanket uh, representation of what it means to be spiritual. And that's an issue. Um, and I'm going to get to why that's an issue. I'm going to address that. I'm going to come back to that. Okay. But that's the first, uh, culture, the first thing that I've seen that has, uh, influenced our current view of what it means to be spiritual is by, uh, comparing what we do, our purpose to aesthetics, those who live an aesthetic lifestyle. The other thing I've noticed is the hippie movement of the sixties. And now, of course, with the hippie movement, these were children of uh, the baby boomers <laughs> who uh, a lot of times were and this and we're talking about this, the, the 60s um, people who had came out of two world wars in Vietnam. So this is a movement that was that was uh, stirred through war, you know, having most of these those who were part of the hippie movement or whose parents had not seen a decade where there wasn't some type of major war. People were getting drafted. People were getting killed. So the hippie movement of the 60s was started as a counterculture and a social protest to protest the wars, to protest the society that supported wars, to protest our, the governments that uh, funded wars and supported wars. Um, and, you know, there was a, a group of people who were coming out, young kids who were disenfranchised. But the hippie movement was also very spiritual in nature, too. So that's where you kind of started to see people uh, moving away from, like, the traditional uh, religious um, backgrounds. That's where you kind of really start to see that with the 60s movement. So even though the 60s movement was, was more, the hippies movement was specifically geared towards or started or inspired as a social protest and a counterculture, it had a very strong spiritual element to it. And so, you know, that's when you started seeing people um, in the United States getting into yoga and getting into meditation. And that's where a lot of cults came up out of the 60s as well you know a lot of uh a lot of cults came out of the 60s so um so with that being said though there was also a lot of kids in that hippie movement whose parents were rich or who were quote-unquote trust fund babies and who um were privileged and they were also in that movement wanting to denounce, 
their wealth and denounce their their inheritances and so they can go off and be free spirited and be you know and free love and smoke weed and go to Woodstock and all that (laughs) you know all that other other stuff so but the reason why I bring up the 60s um the hippie movement of the 60s is because there's still a lingering energy of that now with a lot of those of us who you know who are um you know uh I mean, they're still hippies. We know we're modern hippies, but we're still there. But there is a a deep uh, attachment to that movement without an understanding of why it started to begin with. And so people are only looking at the free-spirited nature of the hippie movement of the 60s without really dissecting it. And all they're seeing is and wanting to emulate is denouncing the the establishment and you know releasing all responsibility and traveling and not you know living off the land and going off grid and all this other stuff that may or may not be sustainable um unless you know if 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 you are you're not doing it right so what i wanted my point is that the hippie movement of the 60s brought up a certain level of irresponsibility when it comes to uh, sustainability, financial stability, that is still lingering now when it comes to those in the spiritual community. So because of the the, the lingering uh, influence of the hippie movement of the 60s, which was very much anti the man and anti-establishment, there's this, still this idea that in order for you to be spiritual, you got to not be in the matrix. You got to not work. You got to not uh, support the establishment. You got to not uh, participate in uh, the traditional ways of surviving, <laughs> really, in, in this world, you know, in, in, in the mainstream. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to talk more about this because I'm going to talk about my own experience, but it's just a very immature and very irresponsible way of thinking and stunted. You know, it stunts your growth to have this thinking that in order for you to truly be spiritual, that you have to live with this certain level of irresponsibility. And the last thing that I've noticed that has attributed to our trauma and triggers around money in the spiritual community is the fact that capitalism got us all fucked up. You know, we understand that capitalism and, you know, I don't, I'm not going to get into breaking down what capitalism really is because I am a political science major. I, that's what I got my degree in. And I could really bore you <laughs> with capitalism. So, but I will say this, capitalism as a theory is wonderful, just like any political ideology or, or economic idio- um, ideology. In theory, it's, it's, it can work and it's beautiful. But once you put that theory in the hands of people, and especially people who are stupid and exploitive, that's where shit goes left. And in, in our society, that is where shit went left. So because capitalism has turned our society into something very exploitive and very ugly, it has caused or further, you know, uh, uh, deepened the triggers and traumas around prosperity that the, our culture already has. So I'm going to share my own experience. I am going to talk about my own <laughs> experience with 
being spiritual and and prosperity, you know, money, wealth. So before I moved to Atlanta, I was living in Las Vegas. And I don't even ask me what brought me to Las Vegas. That'll be a whole other episode probably. But long story short, it was a relationship that didn't work, but it brought me where I was supposed to be even though it was just like crazy experiences there. So I'm living, it's post-divorce. I'm living in in Vegas. I got a job. Now, mind you, I've always had good jobs. I've never had a problem getting a job, a good job. I've never had a problem maintaining my stability, getting money. Money has always come to me easy. So I'm working in a nonprofit housing agency as a housing counselor. I got my own apartment in Henderson, Nevada, um, which is kind of like an upscale kind of area of the um, of the city. My own one bedroom, chilling. I just bought a car, you know, um, working full time at my nonprofit, loving my job. And um, I'm doing me right doing my own thing and then I meet somebody I meet a woman who I end up falling in love with and um I actually she's I mentioned her she's the one who uh was the narcissist that I mentioned in my empath and narcissist episode and the reason why this is important because this woman actually it, it completely shifted my prosperity consciousness um so I meet this woman super strong chemistry and you know we end up like inseparable and you know we start this so like totally (laughs) crazy ass relationship but the thing about her the reason why she's important is because when I met her she started she talked a lot about you know, backpacking and road tripping. And she's the first person that I've met and dated that brought to me this whole hippie, free spirit, artist lifestyle. And she sold it to me. She sold the fuck out of this lifestyle to me, right? So she's just like, yeah, I'm giving up my apartment. I'm going to get a van. I'm going to travel. And I'm an artist. And I got a book. And I want to do shows. And, you know, and I'm all for it because I'm also a poet. And I have all these artistic gifts that I haven't been tapping into because I am working all the time. You know, I'm maintaining this fucking apartment in this car and shit, right? So her biggest thing was she glorified this hippie lifestyle, living simply, not being a part of the matrix, not working for the man, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And there were certain things I didn't notice at the time, right? Because I'm all like enamored and we have this super passionate, weird, intense thing, spiritual thing. Now I will give a sidebar. This woman also sparked my spiritual journey. So my spiritual, like my, she like kicked open the portal, the door for me in my spiritual journey. So she's the one who sparked it, like set that shit aflame. So I will give her that. Um, so she sells me this whole idea of being a hippie and I'm like, oh shit, like I'm with it. You know, let's let, so what ends up happening though, because this is the thing, I'm the the stable one and she's not. So even though she's selling this lifestyle of being a hippie i'm the one who's got the stable place and i'm the one that's got the stable job and the stable money so um she was staying with me whatever and when she would go and travel she would leave and come back and blah 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 right 
But she planted this seed of giving up everything and, and being free spirit and living off the land and not being a part of the matrix. She, she planted that seed. So then what ends up happening is I get approached by another artist, another poet, and she is wanting to give up her place and get a roommate so she can save money to start her business. At the time, I'm wanting to move to Atlanta. So she's like, hey, you know, let's go. Let's get a house together. We can go in, you know, get something cheap, you know, cut our bills in half. You can save money to go Atlanta and I can save money to to invest in my business. I'm like, OK, I'm for it. All right. Move in. We get this dope ass spot. No longer in Henderson, though. It's off of a Boulder Highway and uh, Tropicana, which if anybody's listening to this is a who is uh, familiar with Las Vegas, you know that to go from Henderson um, to Bol- anywhere off Boulder <laughs> is a downgrade, okay? But I will say this is important because this is where I first started declining in my prosperity consciousness. This is when I agreed to live in an area that was less than where I was already living. But at the time, I'm all on this... Um, Oh, I'm going to live, you know, move in with a poet and we're going to do dope shit at the house and have get a fire pit and have jam sessions and poetry sessions and whatever. Right. So in the beginning, it was me and her. Then all of a sudden it's me, her and then her girlfriend. And then when my person comes back, then it's me and my person and then her and her girlfriend. Before I know it, before I moved out of there and the and like within the year that I was there, we ended up there was eight people in that house. It started off with two and there was eight people in that art house. All artists, all hippies, all free spirited, right? But the only one of us that were really working was me and my friend, the one the original ones who's who's got the house together. But what started happening though was that when when I started shifting my pro when I allowed someone else to define my prosperity consciousness. Then I started having these experiences that were changing my prosperity and, and, and sapping my prosperity consciousness because now I'm sold on this idea of being a hippie and living a hippie life. So I will tell you that the communal house that the, the that we lived in, the, the artist house, and I'm sure I'll she'll talk about it too. I know she's mentioned it um, because we all met through that that circle. But the house itself was beautiful. Like we we would get high and drunk and we would paint murals on this house. Mind you, we're renting this shit. We ain't got <laughs> ain't got no authority to be painting no murals on that house. We're building fire pits in the back. We got plants everywhere. You know, we're up all night having jam sessions and, you know, potlucks and you know, so the, the, the artistry and the things that we created out of that space were absolutely beautiful. But I will tell you, though, that I started struggling. A month after I moved there, I ended up, um, no, two months after I moved there, I ended up getting fired from my job. After that, I had decided, okay, I'm never working for anybody else. Fuck the man, such and such and such, whatever. And then from then on until maybe even just recently within this last year, I never worked for anybody else, right? Built my own business, whatever, whatever. Um, But, and I will tell you this, sidebar, there's nothing wrong with paving your own way and and having your own business and choosing not to allow someone else to be in control of your financial freedom however you have to do it responsibly and I was not doing it responsibly so I will tell you I struggled during that time I fucking struggled 
struggled. And I started going into these, cycling into these deeper levels of poverty and lack. And I started losing touch with my own prosperity consciousness because in my mind, I had this whole other idea of what it meant to be spiritual. So, and getting back to the woman who I met, the one who planted that seed, she would talk about how, you know, it's good. You got to be, you know, living off the land and fuck the man and, you know, don't do the late, you know, we can't be in the matrix. But she was always worried about her credit, making sure her credit was straight. She stayed with credit cards, stayed shopping at Express, dressed nice. And whenever she really wanted to to get herself together, she stayed having her own apartment, stayed being able to get a car. So she sold me something that she didn't even believe herself. And the reason why was because she saw that I was at a higher level of prosperity consciousness than her and she wanted to bring me down. So that goes back to the, the episode about um the narcissist thing which if you want to understand that dynamic better listen to that episode the tragic relationship between a narcissist and an empath but that was part of the way her way of kind of breaking me down and causing me to lose touch with my own divinity my own spirituality so that there was so many lessons and things that came out of that that I honestly did not get I didn't I have not been able to pull myself out of that level of poverty and lack consciousness until within the last two years. And I didn't even I haven't even started seeing the results of it, of like the work I've been doing to get my prosperity consciousness back up but until the last like eight months, eight to 12 months, right? So this is the reason why it's very important not to give into mainstream ideas of what it means to be spiritual because it can really, really fuck some shit up for you. And it can really derail you and throw you off track. But I'm grateful uh, for this experience or these experiences because they taught me some valuable lessons. And one of them is the one I mentioned, which is that people will sell you an ideology for their own gain. That they don't even believe in themselves. So the reason why I say that is, for example, this goes back to the whole uh, uh, energy that or expectation that... People who are spiritual shouldn't get paid for their services. There's this whole thing with that, right? So people will try to push that on you like, oh, you're spiritual. These are gifts. You should share them with the world, right? But they don't believe in that them that they don't believe that themselves. The reason why is because ask them if they're willing to work for free. Ask them if they're willing to go into their job, clock in, work for eight hours, deal with bullshit coworkers and a and a bullshit manager. For, for 40 hours a week and not receive a paycheck. And nobody will tell you that they're willing to do that. So they don't want that for themselves. They're not willing to do that for themselves, but yet they expect you to do that because you have gifts and you should share with the world. They, people, they don't believe that. They're just trying to push that onto you. My other important lesson from these experiences is that the people you surround yourself with affects your wealth, period. This is, you know, it's it's like, <clears throat> it's the whole idea of a law of attraction and like attracts like. 
So if you are a spiritual person hanging around other broke spiritual people, that's all you're going to perpetuate is a collective energy of brokenness. Whereas vice versa, if you are um, a spiritual person hanging around wealthy people, then that's what you're going to perpetuate into your environment. Um, this is the reason why, this is the real reason why people get mad at wealthy folks. Because you, if you've noticed, wealthy people, they only hang around other wealthy people. And they are very selective and their circles are very small. And this is the reason why anybody who is generating any type of, of, of spiritual wealth or prosperity consciousness is very strict on their circle, on their sphere of influence. And this is the reason why I experienced this directly. Because like I said, once I moved into a communal house and I started being around other people with a lower prosperity consciousness, my own prosperity started to directly suffer. And then once I started flipping that around, I started reattracting more people who were more with the spiritual um, and prosperity consciousness. So, um, you know, the other thing I learned the lesson is that poverty is out of alignment with a true spiritual path, period. And I'm going to talk about that more. I'm going to address that more. The other thing is that poverty kills your entire vibration. Poverty is a whole situation. You ever go into poverty-stricken areas as an empath or a, or a psychically sensitive person and you feel that shit? It feels heavy, it feels low, it feels depressing, it looks dark. Like, there's certain parts of the city of Atlanta that I love, but then there's certain parts of the city of Atlanta I can't be around because there's a certain underlying energy of poverty that I that just completely drains me. So, you know, you you can't be spiritual and allow yourself to 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 be in that energy because it it will directly block your ability to grow spiritually there's no way it doesn't a true spiritual path promotes abundance so poverty is in direct dissonance from a really true spiritual path and this is the reason why whenever i see people who call themselves spiritual and they are struggling and in poverty i'm like nah something ain't right and this applies to myself too um, and the other thing that I learned, and this is just a very obvious thing, an obvious lesson is that I must charge for my spiritual work, period. I ain't doing shit for free. Why? You know, and I notice myself like when I would, you know, undercharge or I would offer things for free, I would be so exhausted. I would be so exhausted. I would be unmotivated. It would make me resent my work. It's the reason why I stopped doing readings for a while because to be honest with you, I was undercharging. And so I, it was draining. But once I was mandated by my spirit guides to go back to doing readings, I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm about to charge more. <laughs> and then once I started charging more, I started finding that it was more energizing. I wasn't drained. I was enjoying it more. And I'm actually going to, there's another reason why I must charge for my, my services. And I'm going to talk about that later, right? So those are my basic lessons for the, um, the lessons that I learned from my experiences. And like I said, I'm very grateful. And for me, I'm glad I'm a quick study. I, I'm the type where I only got to learn a hard lesson once. So for me, I decided that I will never experience that level of, of struggle and poverty ever again. 
So this is the part of the episode where y'all, y'all ain't gonna like me. This is the part where I'm going to just say some things that are going to be triggering for you. Some of those of you who are in poverty mindset or who have triggers around money. But there are things that they need to be said. And, you know, I always do that. I always say the things in my episodes that need to be said. So the first thing I want to just say is that if you are spiritual or deep diving into a spiritual work and you are living in poverty, something is grossly wrong. Seriously. And the reason why I say that is because... Now, I have been a study and a practitioner of a lot of different spiritual practices and religious practices. The one thing that I've consistently seen is that when those principles of those practices are done right, they automatically lead to prosperity. And that, that's my next point. Spirituality applied correctly, it breeds abundance. So if you are spiritual and you are living in poverty and struggle and lack, you got to rethink some things. You are out of you are out of alignment, period. I don't care what you say, I don't care how you justify it. I don't care how you glorify it. I don't care how you romanticize it. Something is wrong. Something is wrong and the reason why I say it is because I've had I had that experience. Like I've lived this. Everything that I'm speaking of, I'm speaking from direct experience. And sometimes when we're in a spiritual path, and this goes back to my other unpopular opinion episode where I talk about being thin line between being spiritual and being psychotic. A lot of times when we're on our spiritual path, we end up in this fantasy world. And the fantasy world, and it's it's essentially spiritual bypassing. And it's it keeps us from addressing our issues. And the, the, the fact of the matter is a lot of us have a lot of tr- triggers and traumas around money. And self-worth and prosperity. And instead of us really deep diving and addressing it and doing the real work it takes to get a, to get over that and, and, and elevate above it, we end up using the spiritual practice to justify being broke and being struggling. We make it righteous instead of really admitting to ourselves that something is inherently wrong. Another fact... Another thing that I'm sure a lot of people aren't going to like to hear is that lack is not of God. It's not. Lack is not of God. And I don't care what you practice. I don't care if you don't believe in God and you just believe in a random higher power or you in the universe. There's so many universal laws that will completely debunk and challenge this idea that in order for you to be spiritual, you have to be suffering and you have to be in poverty. That's not true. Because God or the universe is a all omnipresent, all-knowing, limitless creative force that is always multiplying and always generating abundance. So if and if we are made in God's image or we're a part of that that or uh, that uh, omnipotent presence if we are representations of God if we are uh branches of this universal cosmic energy and we are living in poverty 
that means that we are disconnected from that source in some way. There's a dissonance. There is nothing of God that generates lack. And, you know, I really want this to sink in for people on that. Because a lot of people really glorify being spiritual and being broke. And I'm like, no, that's not of God. And an example of this is if you look at ashrams, churches, mosques, synagogues, Baptist churches, they ain't broke. They are collecting their tithes. People are donating. I've ne- if, <laughs> if you go to any ashram or, or Hindu temple, ain't no lack up in there. If you go to any Catholic church. With the gold-plated stuff and the and the silver everywhere and the stained glass. Stained glass windows ain't cheap. These priests and these bishops and these deacons ain't walking around here broke. These mystics and, 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 and monks in these ashrams ain't starving. <laughs> like, you know, Muslims are very good. When you look, go into a mosque... Mosques are some of the most beautifully architecturally made structures in the world. I love mosques with, you know, the the decorations and the mosaics and the the sacred geometry. Even in the the, the simple ones and their simplicity. Like they they're not they may be simple but they're not broke or they're not cheap. And we definitely know that synagogues, <laughs> Jewish people got money. So my point is that I need people to really just pull out of this idea that there's something holy in being in poverty and struggling. Because even when you look at real life examples, the real life examples of our religious institutions and our spiritual institutions don't even support that. And you know what? Let's let's dive into this a little bit deeper. What I want to do is I want to... <laughs> support this with some with some bible scripture you know i y'all know that uh you know i come from a, a my family anyway it comes from a christian background and my family very much is quick to to pull up the the bible quotes to support things um and you know y'all know that i got you know my my, my spirits my spirit guides love that christian shit but um i i have when i was doing my research for this podcast there were so many Bible scriptures that I found that were in support of prosperity consciousness that directly talk about our connection to prosperity through God and as an extension of God. Okay, so let me let me let me pull up the Bible scripture. Okay, so you got Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, and it is this day. All right? You got Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ. All right? What else we got? We got Psalm chapter uh one no psalm 128 verse 2 you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands you shall be blessed and it shall be well with you you have second corinthians 
chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things and at all times, you may abound in every good work. You got Psalms 1. Verse three, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does. He prospers. What else we got? Let me see what else we got. We got Proverbs 10 verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So, I mean, that's like, what, six Bible verses just right then and there um, that talk about prosperity. So, I don't know what else I need to bring up or affirmations or <laughs> prayers I need to bring up to, to drive home the idea that, you know, poverty is not of God. Like, the, the whole entire Bible, there's so many scriptures that talk about how we obtain our prosperity through our relationship with God. And as as extensions of God or the universe, if you're not Christian, or like I said, the you know, that omnipotent cosmic force, you know what I'm saying? So I hope y'all get the point. <laughs> and the reason why I'm like, you know, you, you know, it's serious when I'm bringing up the Bible, the Bible verses, you know, the, you I need people to understand that poverty is not of God. It's not, it's not, it's not. If you are in poverty, you are disconnected from that source in some way and you need to reconnect. You are out of alignment. I need y'all to understand that. So there is nothing divine about being on a spiritual path that requires you or expects you to live in poverty and lack. You, if you do that, you are in direct violation of the divine inheritance that is yours. You, the, 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 you're, <laughs> okay, let me breathe. This is why I needed a blunt. <laughs> let me take a break. <laughs> All right, so I took my break. I drank my water. I took my breath. <laughs> okay. I want to discuss the... There's a universal law that supports the statement that abundance and prosperity is our divine inheritance as representations of God as 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 the branches of the great cosmic force and that is the universal law of abundance and the universal law of abundance states that the universe is continuously producing and multiplying and that we must observe the continual growth and unlimited resources available within our universe in order to understand this 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 law an example is is gardens nature this is why i love having a garden because anytime i feel a space of lack or i start to be concerned about not having i just go out to my garden or where my plants are now we all know that nature is like as far as like forest and gardens these are true representations of of god or goddess universe and if you ever spend time in nature, you notice that nothing ever really dies. Not if it's left alone. 
you know, if there's outside influences or environmental factors, uh, you know, then yes, you know, rivers will dry out, plants, you know, species will come become extinct. But when the universe, when the when the garden or when nature's left to its own devices, it's continuously reproducing, even when it seems like it's not. So whenever we have seasons of like winter or when you have a plant that uh, the leaves fall and it looks like it died, but then it comes back in the spring because the roots you know, brought it back to life. That's nature. That's the the example of the universal law of abundance. And because we are connected to God, that means that we have the ability to continuously produce and multiply. Something else that I learned while gardening is that, especially when you when you do food, so you know there's gardening for just like a, you know uh, aesthetics and having pretty plants around, and there's gardening for sustainability, and I, I do both. So I have things that I sprout to put in my smoothies. I've got herbs that I have to put in my spiritual baths. I make for everybody. And what I noticed early on when I started gardening is that, you know, not only are things always abundant and they're always growing and they're always coming back, but that if I don't use my plants, like if I don't go in and and cut my sprouts to put in my smoothie, if I don't harvest my mint to put in a spiritual bath, it grows so much and then it starts to die because it's not being used. And that is what abundance is about. Abundance is there, but it's also there for us to use. And if we don't use it, it goes away. It it depletes. It depl- it um it it yeah it depletes. <laughs> um. So, I invite anybody who's struggling with prosperity consciousness to just go out in nature and observe it. And then that's the best way to connect with the fact that nothing you know we're we're gonna always have resources at our disposal. The things that we create are going to always multiply and produce because that is our natural vibration. But if we're in a space where we're not producing and we're not multiplying, then that means that, yes, we're out of alignment. Now, this is the basic concept of the law of abundance and how it shows up in our in our environment, in our world, when you compare it to nature gardens and such um but when you talk about the law of abundance as a as an a concept and specifically when it comes to prosperity and money then it's directly connected to our thoughts so with the law of abundance in in regards to our prosperity it is connected to our thoughts but this at this point this is what makes it a double-edged sword because you know universal laws are universal laws they apply no matter what it's like math you have math equations that it's this it's the kind of apply and work no matter who's doing the equation it's just a matter of who understands how to apply the equation so I can work without an algebra, um, you know, formula and somebody else can work with the same algebra formula. I can get my answer wrong. They can get their answer right. It's not that my formula was incorrect because we use the same formula. What was incorrect was my perception and my understanding of how to apply it. This is how universal laws work, specifically the law of abundance. 
Because in this sense, the law of abundance and our ability to generate prosperity is directly related to our perception and how we apply the formula of the law of abundance. And this is what makes it a double-edged sword because it can be swayed by a perception. So if the universe is continuously producing and multiplying based off of the universal law of abundance, that means that that's just what it's going to do. What it, what it produces and multiplies depends on our perception. And this is the key. So if somebody is applying that formula and their perception is that of prosperity and gratitude and uh, money and success and growth, the universal law of abundance is going to produce and multiply that because of that person's perception. If you have someone else whose perception is lack, poverty, struggle, suffering, the universal law of abundance is going to produce, continuously produce and multiply those things. This is the reason why people get upset with those in the spiritual community that start to elevate their prosperity consciousness because they're like, well, I'm doing these things and this person's doing these things, but I'm still struggling. I'm not making any money and now they're a millionaire. So now they're upset and bitter and angry, but they don't understand that it's not that the person did anything special that you didn't do or that they didn't do. It's just that the person's perception was that of of a millionaire and they created the life of a millionaire. So this is the reason why it goes back to what I was saying about when you're in on a spiritual path, it's really, really important for you to really address your triggers and traumas around money because it's about the only thing that's going to really pull you out of that cycle of poverty and lack and you have to do it in a very realistic way and you have to be willing to make changes because I will tell you some of the most challenging work is around prosperity because it really requires you to make some serious hard changes but if you're on a spiritual path you have to because the deeper you go on your spiritual path the more you start to dive into concepts that will create your like you become more of a creative force the more spiritual you get so if you're not addressing how you relate to prosperity you're more likely to attract the poverty that you're in because you're already vibrating in a space and getting into certain patterns and things that you're doing that are perpetuating that on a higher level if that makes sense um so I really just want to drive that home is that I need people to understand what the law of abundance really means and why it's so important to really shift your perception. And why, especially if you're on a spiritual path. And especially if, you're, if you have a lot of issues when it comes to, to, to money. So I want to talk to you all. I have some things I want you to keep in mind. And this is for those of you who hold the idea that if you're spiritual, that you shouldn't charge money for your services or that you should do things for free, 
This is for those who offer their stuff up for free, you know, who who are um, light workers. And then those are those who are seeking the services of light workers. So this is just for the collective group of people who just feel like if you're spiritual, that you just need to be doing this shit for free. Okay. The first thing that I want you to understand is that skill development is an investment that deserves a return. And when I'm talking about skill development, I'm talking about those who get trained in Reiki. Because I'm a, I'm a Reiki initiate. Um, I'm certified. And I've spent money for my certification. I paid the, the teacher that attuned me for Reiki. I saved up for that. So not only did I save up for that for months, for that investment... But I also work, did work for her in order to, to knock off some of the price. So there's that for those who do, you know, who go, are yogis, who get trained in yoga. Yoga certifications are, are not cheap. For those who are initiated, because I'm initiated, and my initiations weren't cheap. And these are not even a priestess initiations. These are just like preliminary stuff. Those are all investments though, you know, and, 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 and my skill development, those who get tutored in, in, in tarot, those who, um, or other types of mediumship, those like, for example, Io herself, she took classes on making oils. She paid, that was an investment that she paid for that. That's why she charges for one of the many reasons why she charges for her oils. Um, so my point is that skill development is an investment that deserves a return. And so when you come to people and you're asking them to service you for free, you're directly insulting the work, the time, the money, effort that they put in to develop their skills. For and on the back, you know, vice versa, for those who are offering their services and who've invested in the skills to offer those services, it, it there's no practicality in paying thousands of dollars to increase a skill to turn around and offer that skill to other people for, for free. Something else I need you all to keep in mind. And this is extremely important. This is something that people don't think about is that a lot of us who do spiritual work and even those of us who don't, but who are on a spiritual path, we have packs with certain spirits and those spirits demand payment. So I have two things I want to talk about in regards to that. One, mediums and those who do spiritual work. Um, a lot of us work with spirit guides and we call muertos, you know, spirits, um, ancestors and, you know, others, um, that we have direct communion with to help us in the spiritual realm. And for those who do real work with spirits, know and understand those spirits like money. They take money um, and it's because money is an energy, which is something else I'm going to get into. So a lot of times, uh, for a lot of us who offer services, it's uh, the price is set by our spirits that help us do the work. 
a lot of my pricing on my for my readings and stuff I divined for to 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 ask my spirits how much I should charge especially my mediumship sessions because it's all of them speaking through through me so they're the ones doing all the work so and there's that aspect of it a lot of us have other higher uh, spirits and higher uh, beings that we're answering to when it comes to the energy that we're lending out. Some of us have taboos against doing things for free. Some of us um, have spirits that are not going to tolerate poverty. I'm one of them. None of my spirits. I, I you know, I, I don't know how much you guys pay attention to what I share when regards to my spirits that I work with, but. 90% of my spirits are water in nature. So water deities, water spirits, water elementals, like all over what I do. And for those of you who understand the nature of water spirits, water spirits are, are about prosperity and money and wealth. I don't have nan one broke ass spirit on me. I don't have nan one struggling ass spirit on me. So during that time, seven years where I was being a free spirit and struggling and, you know, wanting to be spiritual and live off the land and be a hippie, I was in direct uh, misalignment with my own spiritual court because they were looking at me like, what is this? <laughs> like, what is you doing? Especially because I, none of my family is broke. I don't even come from a family of, of, of struggling people. So that in itself on an ancestral level, but also on a spiritual spiritual level, I don't have nan one broke ass spirit. And a lot of us have that type of situation going on. So if we're really on our spiritual path and our, the whole point of the spiritual path is to bring us in direct alignment with our destiny and our purpose, why would we willingly go into a situation that is out of alignment with our direct purpose and our destiny. So when you're dealing with people who are trying to make you feel guilty for charging for your services, at the end of the day, you've got your own spirits and ancestors to answer to. And they're the ones that set the precedent for what you do, especially when it comes to charging. On the other hand, on the other end, for those who are demand or feel entitled to light worker services or spiritualist services without having to pay, do you really want a bunch of angry ass spirits coming to you for payment? Because at the end of the day, it's energy. And if you're not going to put money out, um, the spirits are going to collect from you in another way. And I've seen that happen, too. Something else to keep in mind is that no one deserves a life of destitution. Nobody deserves a life of struggle, of poverty. That shit is, it is not, it is soul crushing. It is depressing. It definitely hinders you from being able to pursue your spiritual path in a, in a way that is, um, that promotes growth and, and positive uh, change and elevation and it's just not, it's a whole vibration that could really destroy you if you are not really actively working to put yourself out of it. 
So I need people to understand that too. Like as a light worker, you don't deserve to be poor. You don't deserve to struggle. You don't deserve to have to worry about paying your bills or being compensated. If you're in that energy, there's a whole level of self-worth work and solar plexus work that needs to be done in regards to your confidence and your self-worth. Worth. Um, but if, if no one has told you this, I'm telling you that you don't deserve to struggle. Period. Something else to keep in mind is that folks don't need money to be shitty. Folks don't need money to be assholes. There's this whole misconception that if you've got money, if you're wealthy, that you are amoral, that you are an asshole, that you're entitled. Oh, you know, it's all these things around you know, stereotypes around wealthy people. And I mean, there are people who are wealthy who are like that. But then there's people who are poor who are like that. Shitty people are shitty people, whether you have money or not. So this goes back into this whole idea of glorifying or romanticizing being poor. Um, And I'm going to be real with you on this one too. Especially for people of color, we have romanticized struggle in order to deal with it black people have gone through some very traumatizing things as a result of slavery and the only way that we can internalize it without i mean going completely crazy or suicide or i mean the only way we could really deal with it as a culture was to make it holy or justify it or glorify it so black people as a culture we have learned to praise and put certain things on a pedestal in order to justify it but it doesn't necessarily make it okay and it doesn't mean that it's something that needs to continue so we have made Poverty, a sense of like, and and being, um, living in lack, we've made that to be as though it is a desirable way to be and all the things that come with it. So being humility, you know, being humble, being graceful, being self-sacrificing, being, um, turning the other cheek. Um, allowing a certain thing, you know, peaceful and, you know, don't harm thy neighbor and all this other shit, right? So all the things that come with being submissive, we have glorified that. Whereas we've glor- we have demonized all the things that are opposite of that. And the reason why this is important is because there's this whole idea that people who are in poverty exhibit characteristics that are morally desirable and that people who are rich exhibit characteristics that are morally undesirable and we specifically see that within the black community 
And so then there's these stereotypes again, going back to that, of that rich people are shitty people. But at the end of the day, there's shitty people everywhere. It's just it's just not true. And it's definitely a misconception that needs to be deconstructed and 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 completely let go of. Because what ends up happening is that when those of us start to come out of our our, our poverty mindset and we start to really get into some prosperity, we feel guilty because of it, because of that demonizing of people of wealth. And so a lot of times we overcompensate in other ways so that the wolves around us don't feel threatened or they don't feel um, upset or bad about our the fact that we're thriving. So that goes into my next point is that there are hustlers and scammers in every profession. So the reason why I say that is because a lot of people who are, are light workers or spiritualists, they offer their services for free or for a little of nothing, or they want to embrace this life of aesthetic and, and, and you know, uh, not, not <laughs> of, of ha- having things, of not having possessions, whatever the case may be, because... They don't want to be seen as the spiritualist that got over on someone or scammed someone out of their money. And I can attest to that because I've been that person in the beginning where, you know, because I would get a lot of people that came to me that were really fucked up because they went to a spiritualist and the spiritualist scammed them. So in order for me to not appear to be like that other spiritualist, I would undercharge for my services. When in reality, I needed to be overcharging for my services because I was doing double work. I was doing the work that the first spiritual should have done. And I'm also doing the work of correcting any traumas that were caused by the person dealing with the first spiritualist. So my point is that you don't need to go out of your way to... Um, not seem like that other uh, that other spiritualist, to not seem like the people that are scamming or that are are hustling. Now, on the flip side, for someone who's seeking services, um, at the end of the day, if you've been scammed by somebody, um, you didn't practice your discernment, and it was a lesson you needed to learn. And then I'm sure nine times out of 10, you had a thought in the back of your mind that this person wasn't right and you ignored it. And I, that may seem harsh, but I'm, that's just real talk because I've done enough work with people who have dealt with scammers and hustlers to know that every single time the person knew better and went with it anyway. So on both sides, like there's no reason to, well, on the side of the light worker, there's no reason for you to undervalue yourself or accept less than what you deserve to prove a point that you're not like other people or these other people. Like, that's bullshit. Let that go. And the last thing I want you to keep in mind is that just there's nothing uplifting or self-righteous about being broke, period. And to real talk, leaving yourself... Like when you're when you live that type of lifestyle with that type of mindset, you really leave yourself open to being exploited, being used, being taken advantage of. Um, it fucks with your confidence. It fucks with your stability. 
it fucks with your ability to do your work, especially if you're on a spiritual path. Um, it fucks with your sovereignty. It just, I mean, it's just, it's just no, there's nothing beautiful about not having your needs met or accepting less than what you deserve or living in poverty or struggling. Just is no, I don't care how much you met or you, people justify or romanticize it. You know, when you're in it and you're experiencing it, there's nothing uplifting and there's nothing self-righteous about it. So I want to end this episode with sharing some tips on how to increase your prosperity. These are things that I've personally done for myself to pull myself out of my lack uh, mentality and my my poverty mindset. The very first thing you're going to want to do is work on your heart heart chakra and your forgiveness do forgiveness work the reason why is because you can't hold a high vibration and a low vibration at the same time prosperity is of a high vibration and lack is of a low vibration um so anything that is of low vibration is going to perpetuate lack and resentment anger hate those all are going to just perpetuate like there's no way to hold that in your heart and then also generate prosperity it just does not work the other reason why is because our heart chakra is our electromagnetic field we attract money to us so if our heart is blocked and our electromagnetic field is not operating at full capacity there's no way for us to attract money and success and resources to us um if 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 that's not working um and vibrating at, at the way it's supposed to the other thing, too, is that forgiveness allows us to lighten up. It allows us to open up our hearts. It allows us to put us, it puts us in a space of um, um, receiving. Also, it relieves us of any karmic debt that we have. So the more that we plug up our, our holes, our karmic holes, the more we're able to, to fill our vessels with, our abundance without the 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 holes without things seeping out the holes so definitely work on your heart and your forgiveness the other important thing is changing your sphere of influence and i've constantly done this um and i've seen how it affects me this is part of the reason why i can't live with people um because living with people directly affects my abundance and i've seen this happen over and over again um People who are negative, who operate from lack, people who are jealous, all of that vibration is going to affect your ability to generate prosperity. So you definitely want to be willing to let people go that need to go. Be willing to connect with people that are influential and who have wealth and money, regardless of your misconceptions of those people. Because a lot of times, you know, like I said, there are a lot of healthy view, unhealthy views that we have about people with money that are just simply not true. Another way to increase your prosperity is to pray and do affirmations. I just listed all those those Bible scriptures, you know, there's no lack of prayers and affirmations that are centered around prosperity and money. The reason why this is important, because prayers and affirmations, they reprogram our minds. They, they for one, they, they influence us emotionally, which emotions definitely are tools of magic and, and, and shifting um, vibrations. 
but also just the the repetitive prayers and affirmations work in our subconscious mind to shift our perception and remember how i said perception is extremely important when it comes to law of abundance so definitely working those prayers and affirmations you definitely want to redefine your relationship with yourself and your standards so the biggest part of me working on my prosperity was working on my relationship with myself and how I value myself and also really setting in place my standards. So once I really started connecting with my self-worth and I started identifying and my standards and or raising them, then I started attracting more situations to me that honored me in a way, honored me financially. More high plan, you know, clients that are willing to pay my prices. Um, people who were willing to gift me, you know, gift me things. People who were willing to invest in my business. All of that. Simply because I decided that I deserved it and that I had certain standards. This also shifted how I allowed people to treat me, Right? Um, it shifted how my, it, sh- it it eliminated my willingness to allow people to exploit me and to use me and to deplete me of my energy, of my gifts and my resources. It also gave me the confidence that I needed to embrace having high standards and living in a certain way that I know I deserve to live without feeling guilty. Because let me tell you, I've had people literally try to make me feel guilty for charging for what I do. Like, really. Literally try to to, to, to make me feel guilty and um, make it seem like I'm wrong for demanding a, 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 a energetic exchange. So once I really started, and I used to feel guilty. I used to allow people to make me feel guilty. And then I redefined my relationship with myself. And now I don't care. So definitely work on your relationship with yourself and your standards. Another really important thing is to heal your ancestral trauma. Because again, a lot of us, especially black people, we have generations of poverty that we deal with because of just the institution, the society we live in, slavery, and being in a system that's not set up for us. So a lot of us come from generations of poverty and it is a DNA thing that needs work. A lot of us also come from generations of wealth and kings and queens. But because of history and the institutions of slavery and um, our society that we're currently in, we're disconnected from that too. So heal the parts of your ancestry that are are still dealing with traumas around money and poverty and stability and connect with the parts of your ancestral history that is abundant and connected to, to wealth. Redefine your relationship with money. Be okay with receiving money for what you do. Be okay with with having resources and money in the bank. Be okay with having a job if you're a spiritualist and you and you want to work for somebody and get a check 
every week or every two weeks and get ben, you know medical benefits. Be okay with being that spiritualist that wants to drive a BMW. Be okay with that spiritualist that be okay with being that spiritualist that wants a mansion. You know, like I said, my myself and my spirits like nice things. So I'm not in the position to accept less than I deserve because the moment I, if I slip up, my spirits are going to remind me. But a big part of that was also me redefining, reconnecting with my relationship with money and being okay. Like knowing I like getting a check. I like getting consistent money. I like having extra money in the bank. I like going to get my nails done. I like shopping at Fashion Nova. I like designer purses. <laughs> I'm not a shoe person, but I will spend money. On, I'll spend a couple hundred dollars on a designer purse. I'm okay with being that spiritualist that likes designer shit. You know, so be okay with that. I'm, I like to travel. And sometimes I'll travel, you know, like uh, uh, some, there's still a part of me that likes to do the road trip. And the camping, you know, and the minimalist, hippie, free spirit travel. And then sometimes I want to get a nice hotel or a cabin, you know. So just really redefine your relationship with money. Be okay with receiving money. Be okay with spending money. Be okay with asking for money for what you do. Be okay with paying good money for things that are high quality or that you want or that you feel like you deserve. That's extremely important in increasing your prosperity. Um, gratitude. Definitely, definitely, definitely cultivate gratitude. Thank your 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 thank God, thank your ancestors, your spirit guides, thank your if you work thank your job you know your employer for hiring you and keeping you employed thank if you are if you own a small business thank the customers that come to you let me tell you gratitude itself will shift so much when it comes to your prosperity this is what i do every day i have a journal and i list before i go to bed or first thing when i wake up i list all the things that i'm grateful for and I noticed that when I slip up on that, if it has a few days or several days where I don't do that, I noticed a shift in my prosperity. So remember, a law of abundance and like attracts like. So the more that you're constantly giving thanks for the things that you're receiving, the universe will multiply and produce. It will, will multiply and continue to produce those things that you're saying that you're grateful for. Another important thing is ask for what you want. This is like so important for prosperity work. This is especially for those who do petitions or work with, with spirits or, or do altar work and you're talking to your ancestors or your spirit guides or you're going, you know, leaving a, going to the river for Oshun or, you know, whatever you're doing. And you're at, you, you say, oh, I, wanna, I want something, you know, say you want a car. And say you need the down payment for the car and the down payment is like $3,000. But you go and you do this petition and all you're saying is, I just, I want a car with no specifics. That's not asking for what you want. What's asking for what you want is saying, I want $3,000 for me to have a down payment for this car. I want $10,000 for the down payment for a house 
I want this job at this place making this amount of money. I want this particular raise. So the reason why it's important to ask for what you want is because one, it puts it out in the universe and it's very specific. Closed mouths don't get fed. I know everybody grandma done said that. The other reason why it's important is because it saying it out loud plants a seed and it makes it kind of official. Well, no, not kind of. It makes it official to where when you're asking for what you want and you're specific about it, not only are you more likely to attract it or you start attracting things, similar things, you know, that are connected to what you're asking for, but it also allows you to identify when you're settling. So, for example, if you say, I want a car, and then tomorrow somebody offers to buy you a, a $500 hoopty, is that what you really want, though? But, I mean, most likely not. But you're probably going to accept it because you didn't specifically say, I want $3,000 to put down on this 2019 Honda Accord or 2020 Honda Accord. When you identify that precisely and you put it out there and you ask for what you want, you're less likely to accept less than. And that's the reason why it's important to ask for what you want. The last thing I want you to know in regards to increasing prosperity and what you can do in regards to increasing prosperity is know and understand that what you have to offer has value. I don't care what the fuck you're offering. I don't care if you're selling your feet on a fetish site, (laughs) you're selling your toes to offering, you know, courses on how to transform your life or you're doing empowerment coaching or you know like or if you're selling thumbtacks you know what I'm saying like or you're making gourmet cupcakes like everything that you have to offer has value and when you really understand and you connect with that then that immediately shifts your perception and it shifts for you to be able to generate prosperity around what it is that you have to offer it directly connects with your self-worth okay so that is all for this episode um it's probably one of the longest episodes i've done outside of a why in the sky but i already knew it was going to be a lot to unpack when it came to prosperity work um, especially within the spiritual community the context of the spiritual community Um, My point is I want you to know that it's okay to be spiritual and to have money. It's okay to be spiritual and to have prosperity and wealth and sustainability. It's okay to be spiritual and work a regular job and have benefits and have a mortgage and a car. It's okay to be spiritual and charge for your services. As a matter of fact, you better be charging for your services. Um, You know, I, out of all my episodes, I really want this to be the one that people really listen to and take to heart because I'm really wanting to elevate everybody's prosperity consciousness. I don't want anyone to suffer and live in poverty. That is, I wouldn't wish that. Well, I might wish that on my enemy. (laughs) But 
nobody I'm you know this is this episode's not for my enemies so I, you know I joke I, I I I meant what I said but I'm joking I mean I'm joking but I meant what I said anyways at the end of the day I don't wish poverty on people like I don't wish that vibration because it is a very very damaging and detrimental vibration and I understand that the way to really evolve spiritually and to really fully go full force on our spiritual path, we have to have the stability and resources to do so. And that is through prosperity, money, wealth. So I hope that this podcast episode, this unpopular opinion really changed some things for you, for those who may be struggling with having prosperity consciousness within your spiritual practice. Um, and yeah, that's all I got. (laughs) I definitely appreciate you all as always in your feedback. And, um, of course, if you have questions, you can reach out to me. You guys have been really wonderful with that. You can email me, you can hit me up on Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can hit the website, be the vibe.com, Facebook, Crystal Sun, Instagram, Crystal underscore sun, um, website be the letter b the vibe.com and i really really wish you all well i wish you prosperity and abundance and stability and enlightenment and a life of joy and bliss and just wonderful amazing things um i definitely wish you all a deeper connection with source and your divine inheritance as representations of God and goddess. I want you guys to know that you are infinite creators and that you have the power to create your life, that you have the, um, that you deserve abundance, you deserve wealth, you deserve lives of comfort and, you know, just wonderful, juicy things. So I wish that on you and I want that for you. And, um, you know, if you have any questions, like I said, reach out. So that's all I have for this evening. Peace and blessings.